Okay. I was actually thinking that um, maybe our like opening line could be um, like, welcome back to the podcast and may it please the courts. Okay, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, why did they always say that? Like, what is it? I don't even know what it means. May it please the no court? Idea. Like, yeah. what? May it please the courts that you're here? Yeah, I have no clue. So that's a good idea, though. Okay. Well, right. welcome back to Necessary and Proper Podcast. May it please the court. May it please the court. All right. Um, you want to do that? Yeah. We can keep going, though. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to talk about um, some of the October cases, um, starting off with Pulsifer, um, which was the first one that they heard on the 2nd of October? Um, yes, that is correct. Yeah. Monday, October 2nd. Um, so, Pulsifer, basically the whole case is, um, it involves, like, the First Step Act from um, 2018, which was a bipartisan criminal justice bill that was meant to reform the federal prison system by lessening mass incarceration and reducing recidivism. I don't really know how it's like gone so far, but um, part of it is that there's like a safety valve provision um, mm -hmm. for the federal sentencing guidelines that will can let a district court ignore any statutory minimum and instead follow sentencing guidelines if a defendant is convicted of a certain nonviolent drug crime and can meet several sets of criteria. Got um, it. Yeah, so it's it's meant because there are so many people in prison for just like small drug offenses. Mm -hmm. I think it's uh, kind of meant to tackle some of the really high sentences for people who weren't violent and you know kind of which is definitely seems like a prudent issue because I'm sure that like I'm I'm sure that even since this the first step act was passed that even like more people like higher rates of people are getting convicted for drug offenses a hundred percent um just because I think people are doing more drugs yeah so I see here that there's like A, B, and C. It, yeah. Um, so A is like more than four criminal history points, B, a three-point offense, and then C, a two-point offense. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of confusing. So this case was brought up because um, this guy, Mark Pulsifer, he ple pled guilty to um, one count of distribution of um, I think it was at least 50 grams of methamphetamine um, but he has so the way it it was kind of confusing for me to like figure out when I was just like seeing the points but the actual like um, the actual provision um, part F1 reads like if he does not have a more than four criminal history points, excluding any criminal history points resulting from a one point offense, 
um, be a prior three-point offense as determined under the sentencing guidelines and see a prior two-point violent offense. So um, Got it. Yeah, that's why I was confused because I was like, well, if he has a two-point offense, like if he has a four-point offense, doesn't he also have like two two-point offenses? Like I didn't really understand what made up the points. But so this guy, he had a prior serious drug felony and then he has two three-point drug offenses but he doesn't have any two-point violent offense. Got it. So, so yeah. all of his, um, all of his past um, is all drug-related with no violence. No violent offense. Yeah. So he's he's definitely racked up a couple of points, but but all in regards to drug. Yeah. No. No. Like nothing to do with violence. So the his lawyers were arguing well the safety valve provision he doesn't have a two-point offense so the um provision as they read it the um prior three-point offense and then and see a prior two-point offense means like is it um uh they're reading it as uh conjunctive okay yeah so so the big argument is, does and mean and or does and mean or? Is yeah, that correct? Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, then the government is arguing, well, no, actually, the and doesn't mean and. The and means or. So um, he can't have any of these things. If he has any of these things, then he is. Um, but doesn't that go against like why they probably wrote this first step act which was right got it yeah it 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 kind of it kind of doesn't um I, i so his lawyers were arguing like they were kind of doing like a text internal analysis of the entire first step act as written by congress and we're saying well if the if congress meant um or then they would have just said or because they say it in other parts of um the bill but um yeah it really just comes down to whether the list is conjunctive or disjunctive um so the court of appeals thought that the reading statute conjunctively would which would make um a more than four points a the more than four points requirement um superfluous and then they also um consulted like they had a corpus linguistic brief um made by like corpus linguistic scholars which was pretty interesting Mm. um they did like they did a study and found that actually over 50 percent of the time people understand and in its joint meaning so that it doesn't have all three a b or c and that 38% 38% of the time, um, people understood it in the distributive sense. So it does not have any one of A, B, or C. Okay. Um, so where did you feel that the justices um, met out yeah, after this the is, oral argument? This was pretty interesting. A lot of them, there were a couple of justices that didn't talk too much. Kagan, Kagan seemed to talk a lot, and she almost seemed to, like, almost side more with the government by the end but she she was like putting forward a bunch of like hypotheticals like she had the she had one um where she said like so 
Here's a hypothetical. Imagine that a doctor provides her patient with a written instruction that says, do not take drugs and alcohol. So if this rule was presented in the context of a substance abuse counseling session or um, our extra textual knowledge about that session would lead us to a distributive understanding, don't take drugs, don't take alcohol. But if this rule were presented in the context of like a patient's annual physical um, in which the doctor prescribed medication that might interact with alcohol, then our extra textual knowledge about the session would encourage a joint understanding. So like don't take them yeah. together. Yeah. And I, I remember hearing this and I see that here. But what would you what would you what's your opinion on the extra textual context of the First Step Act? Like what? If it is about recidivism. I mean, I just think they should read it. I think they should read it as and. I, like, I, I, um, so, I, uh, I agree with, um, Pulsifer? Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I didn't at first, um, but, uh, yeah, also, like, a lot of the, um, like, Barrett and a couple of other justices, like, really, brought up that this was not a simple case like this is a um statutory case that like doesn't is not clear cut like we don't we we can't really ever know what um the justices meant and it's kind of like a it's kind of like a um like Gorsuch was is it Gorsuch yeah Gorsuch was saying like it it's kind of a absurdism argument made by the government because they're just saying like well even though this is even though this is what the government may have um, said, it doesn't make any sense. Like, and you can't argue. You can't argue just that. Like, oh well, this is what it should be because otherwise it doesn't really make sense to us. You can't argue that. You have to go by like the text and what it seems like yeah. they meant, regardless of what the impact is. And then it's also really interesting. Like from this case, um, apparently there's this thing called like the. It's like a, I don't, I don't know what it's called actually, but it's like a lenity argument where basically the justices, if a case is not straightforward and it's up to statutory interpretation, then they're supposed to go with whatever would benefit the defendant. Yeah. Which is, I didn't know about that before, but. I forget what that's called, but I've definitely heard of that. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, like lenity code or something, Mm -hmm. but. And yeah, did they so, bring that up in the oral argument? Yeah, yeah. Okay. A couple, a couple of people did. I, f- I forget who. Um, it's interesting. I think that Gorsuch was on the side of um, uh, the defendant, which I maybe like almost makes sense because he's kind of a um, libertarian. Yeah, a hundred percent. But it- yeah, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh definitely on the side of the government. He like throughout he like asked this like stupid question at one point that it was so funny he was like so um uh who was he I can't remember if he was he was asking the defendant's lawyer so he's like so how many dosages does 141 grams of meth even get you (laughs) and the um asking the hard-hitting questions yeah the guy was like I don't know. And yeah. like, how is that relevant? Um, it's interesting. I guess like if you were to read it for like the drug. So if it was or 
So you could either have more than four criminal history points, excluding criminal, blah, 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 prior three-point offense, and then or C. So does that, for me, it just makes sense, especially with this is in regards to the First Step Act, which is helping sentencing reform um, and giving a second chance for nonviolent offenders, why it would make sense that it would be either one A, B, or C, because C would be a violent offense. Right, right, exactly, yeah. And then how much are they, if because so many of the justices are originalists, right? Yeah. If they you look at it, if you look at this um, as if you're reading from an originalist point of view, you would have to put yourself, right, in how Congress wanted it to be perceived. Yeah, well, that's like a textualist point of view. But I also, I also like... I think that at one point they kind of brought up like how things are, how things were written back then or whatever. Yeah. Um, back when like the original framers were writing the constitution and like, that's obviously like a not relevant mm-hmm. and like B. But I'm saying, if you look at it, like if you look at what Congress was trying to achieve when they wrote the first step act, yeah. what were they trying to achieve? Well, they were trying to, um, like reduce mandatory minimums exactly so wouldn't it make sense yeah it would it would but it's also very complicated because you could argue that like even even doing it as or doesn't have any of them like then you know someone who is their first time offense obviously they wouldn't meet the mandatory minimum either so it it's it's hard it just but i I guess i see it as like the 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 reason the first step act is to really um separate nonviolent versus violent offenders or am i wrong i that's what i would think yeah exactly so that's not that's not what it explicitly says but it's um i don't think yeah but yeah that that would make sense to me too so then that or makes sense because it puts nonviolent on one side a and b and then c would be that violent crime yeah but also i don't know what's a two-point violent offense I don't, I don't know. Okay. Because is that like a not so violent, but like violent-ish? Yeah. And like also how does it relate to drugs? Um, Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think they really need to just kind of like figure out what they wanted from the First Step Act. Well, also I just wish that they could just like, like the First Step Act is not, not made that long ago. It's from 2018. Why can't they just go ask Congress or like go truly like wrote it. So what were some of the best questions asked that you felt through the oral argument from the justices? Like that made like really good points. Um, yeah, well, I guess, like, I guess Kagan threw out a bunch of, like, good hypotheticals, like I mentioned. And then, actually, um, Barrett was asking kind of a, a lot of good questions just about, like, the intertextual, like, reading um, mm-hmm. and, um, like, how how it's placed within, like, the context of uh, what the um, First Step Act aimed to do. So... I liked... I did listen to some of it kagan's don't drink and drive Mm -hmm. that one was good of like what does and mean there like Mm -hmm. you can drink i i don't know i also felt like she's just having a little too much fun she she was (laughs) just like making up all these yeah and getting sassy with it too oh she's so sassy she's so sassy 
Um, I definitely thought that the like corpus linguistics was really interesting because um, it, it sided with like neither the defendant or the government. Um, but it mm-hmm. was just interesting to like see the study. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's all from uh, the plaintiff, right? So what did the defendant say? No, that's that's or the that's defendant. People, the defendant was basically saying like it's, it's um like read it how it is. It's the like why would we change it when most people when they say and they mean and not or. Mm-hmm. And also, like I said, he brought up like a lot of the how a lot of the rest of the text says or in places where it means or so it's not like they were continuously using and to mean or mm-hmm. they were using or in parts when they um when or was relevant so yeah i i think that i honestly thought that he made a better case but i do think that most of the i do think that it's gonna be like a five to four yeah um, hard to say um chief justice didn't really speak yeah it just seems like at this point, like what if they were to side with the Pulsifer, what would that mean long term for the first step back? What would that mean? How would we see the effects of that opinion or like of that decision in the next few years? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the contrary. You're right. Like also like would I don't would it would it cut down like sentences that are standing right now Um, yeah yeah and then also if they were to side with the state on this what effect would we see in the next few years yeah and also like how could for future cases that come up if it was like oh and this means and like because i feel like with a lot of supreme court cases they are the reason they make it all the way up here is because not only is it like hard for people to decide, but it's it's an important case to decide for the future. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It is. It. it I just is like a really, um, really difficult case, and it's really not straightforward. So, um, yeah. I I can I can definitely see both sides, but also, like I said, I think they should go with. Um, lenity and mm-hmm. um if it's so difficult and yeah i think they should um they should go in favor of the defendant did the solicitor justice uh, solicitor general speak on here it was uh, one of her attorneys okay yeah, one of the attorneys from the solicitor general okay cool so they came and what were they saying yeah that was the government so the oh so she spoke on behalf of sorry Pulsifer, oh, it is versus the United States, I guess. Oh, yeah. okay. T, got it. Um, all right. Yeah, so it is, I, I definitely am, like, interested to see what they decide, because it's definitely not, like, a, it's, yeah, I really have no idea. I think that they're going to go in favor of the government, and it also is really not a partisan case, surprisingly. Like, it, yeah. it was, um, it's very mixed. Like, I think, you know, if Kagan, go, Katanji, um, Brown is going to go with the defendant, um, for sure. Kagan, hard to say. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you think there's any, uh, Thomas, I think didn't really speak at all, but he, it seems like he's going to go with the, um, uh, 
defendant as well, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Maybe because he's also like quite a little bit libertarian, yeah, in his values. But um, yeah. But also, also he's like also he's like kind of a. You're right. He's a textualist and he's kind of a no nonsense guy. Like he's he seems like the kind of guy that would be like, well, they would mean or they would say or if they meant that. But I don't understand why the Supreme Court would take this case, though. Because it's, uh, it, wh- why, what do you mean? Because, like, I get that people sue the U.S. all the time, right? But I'm saying, what are the, it almost, looking in the big picture of things past just, like, Pulsifer's sentence, what, what does this mean? And, like, what, what is the big What's the overarching reason for them to take this case? Well, because it decides sentencing guidelines, which is but but if they no no I get that because I think a lot of great cases make it all the way up to the Supreme Court and then they don't hear it right. So yeah, I guess it it's pretty important case because it's interpreting like the law. Yeah, that's what they. That's what like. Yes, I I I, th- I think you're right. I think it is an important case. I just it, I just don't I just don't understand why it couldn't have been solved like in the appeals court or the yeah. appellate court. Maybe I'm well, also I'm trying to think what what happens after this is the sentencing. Did did the I guess sorry. Did the plaintiff argue intertextuality as a reason to like how was were they good uh was his attorney good yeah okay yeah i thought so but the the u.s had a stronger case i didn't think so oh yeah i definitely didn't think so but um wait who had a stronger case then well i i thought that the um plaintiff did but maybe that's just because i like agree with him yeah i agree with the plaintiff i think that's where i think um but yeah yeah wait where did barrett fall um to be honest i don't really know i think she might have been on the side of the defendant okay yeah it's always so hard. That's what I've been learning is like after is. reading all these oral arguments, yeah. you think you know how someone's going to fall and then you're like, wait, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And then like I said, like the chief justice didn't really speak kind of yeah. at all. Um, so hard to say where he'll fall, but probably with the government. So, yeah. So, so you think that the state is going to win? I think so, but I don't know. No, 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 no. Uh, this is uh, hypothetical. Yeah. You think the state's gonna win, so then that means that it's this, this, and this. Yeah. And is and. If the state, state wins, w- then it's or. Oh, if the state wins. Yeah. It's or. Yeah. If the government wins, then it's or. Yeah, because it's doesn't have this this or this so if he has any of them then he's he meets the requirements oh i didn't even see that sorry i'm no it's so complicated i i I, I, so there's like three ways this could be it's this this or this 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 and this because i saw it as um a b 
as one grouping and then C as this third group. Oh, yeah. No, that's not the... So that's no that's argument. No argument is saying No that. argument is saying... Oh, yeah. Well, that's the argument I would have taken. Oh, I see. I see. Because then it's... That's why I was saying that it separates the nonviolent versus yeah. the violent. Yeah. But also, like, you're... Uh, y- yes, so. but it makes... But it it still goes that way if you're doing and because you wouldn't have those. It's if you have a violent offense, then like and some drug offenses, then yeah, you got it. Yeah. But okay, so they're basically saying if you have any one of these, you're not entitled to the First Step Act. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. That's what that's what they're saying the um my apologies for misunderstanding no no it's okay it's like it's so complicated i was getting so confused um throughout it um the like yeah joint meaning and distributive meaning are um i like get them actually get them mixed up and um yeah it's just uh it the Actually, like you said, like who had a better argument? I thought that a lot of the justices actually were pushing back on the government's lawyer a lot more. Yeah. Um, and he, his argument, like, like I said, like Gorsuch was bringing up that it was really like an absurdity argument just because it relied on common sense. And um, Gorsuch was like, well, I don't know that canon, but I guess it's. Yes, it's a good one because he's mm. like, "What are you arguing? Like, what are you? You can't just say that it's common sense." And he's like, "Yeah, well, it is common sense." But so, okay, yeah. So they both. So I guess the defendant and the plaintiff were both arguing grammatical things, but just that their their grammatical reading was more correct. It's a gram- yeah, it's a gra- grammatical case. Yeah, no, 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 I get it. I was just wondering if there was if they they had anything more than just like the grammar or they're like you can't this is argue how it- more. You can't that's what I I'm guess. saying. Like the government was trying to argue more like oh this wouldn't so make I sense. Th- you have to just focus on what you can't focus on like what would make more sense in terms of the law and how it would affect yeah. people. You have to just argue on like what mm-hmm. it means in the text and you know. Well, that's why I I like what you were saying. Is they're gonna in, do the clause of like, it, they're gonna roll in the defendant. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that came up with Roe v. Wade, or, or the Dobbs versus Jackson, um, when they were overturning. Is they were like, wait, but this is too confusing. Like, why don't we just roll in favor of the defendant? Right. Yeah. So I remember that came up there. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. This is, yeah, it's super interesting. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Any standout moments? Not really. Yeah. Yeah, I think I kind of cover them. If I can, like, think of any, like, absolute bangers from the oral arguments, I'll, like, put them into the... Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that was a, that was definitely a cool one to get started with and a very daunting one because um, it's just, like, so annoying to like talk about language like it's just it's 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 just so stupid that like people so stupid that language gets in the way of everything and that that's what's like constructing 
I don't know. For some reason, I just can't wrap my head off of, like, that's what's constructing people's fates. Like, I think that's why I, like, hate originalism so hard. Like, don't focus on the language. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Should, should we move on? Yeah. To... Okay. Maybe should, the... should we treat it as a new episode? No. How long has it been? Oh, it's only been 28 minutes. 28? Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Maybe do um, CFPB. Yeah, I was in, or yeah, that works for you. Yeah, or I I just saw that Pulsifer and Atchison would go well together, but also it doesn't matter. Did you? Because I didn't think Atchison had that much weight in it, and then CFSB. Yeah, but CFSB. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, um, is like. Yeah, we can just talk about Atchison quick. It's going to be quick. Though. That's what I was saying is I figured Pulsifer and Atchison together would make up as much time as CFSB and one, right? How long would you talk about CFSB for? I don't know. Maybe like 25 minutes, yeah. 20 minutes. Cool. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. I think I'd rather get... Um, CFSB. Uh, actually, I don't. Let's just talk about um Atchison. Okay. Yeah, Atchison. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Do you want to say like what introduce you know Atchison? Yeah. Okay, so give me one second because I want to pull up one thing. It is a. It is like a really interesting case, but also there's like not much to talk about with it. Cause yeah. Ultimately, it seems like they're just going to find it moot. Yeah. Wait, let me just open up something I wanted to open up. Um. Look at that. That's This was my yerba. Amazing. Yeah. So I've been drinking both your yerba and my yerba. Oh, okay. So that's yours. This one and with so that one. This is yours as well. This and is the one that I brought you. Yours. No, maybe this is Chris's, and then that's the one that, that I brought you. I don't know. Well. All right, so I'll just keep drinking them. Get that plot together. Locked and loaded. All right, next one, Atchison Hotels versus Lawfer. This is a really interesting case. Yeah. Um, I don't, we, we both agree that it's probably not gonna, it's gonna be moot or remanded back to lower court cases, but it really show, it definitely is a court against wokeness or it, it, there's definitely how so? far can wokeness go? You think so? To a I certain extent. Here's why. Like, like talks about or like not, not wokeness, related to wokeness that much. But Here's why. Because the Americans with Disability Act tester. So the question that was presented is, does a self-appointed Americans with Disability Act tester have Article 3 standing to challenge a piece of public accommodations failure to provide disability accessibility information on its website, even if she lacks any attention of visiting that place of public accommodation? Why I think that this looks at wokeness is because with that Article 3 standing, um, if I'm not mistaken, 
it talks about, give me one second. The Article 3 standing talks about receiving an injury, right? And this can, Article 3, why can't? Okay, in the Article 3 standing, it talks a lot about, like, the injury that is caused, and this can also be, like, an emotional injury. Mm. So this is where I feel I like there is some sense of wokeness, of, and also not even wokeness, but uh, not the mental, what's the word? Um, the... It's not, it's, it's sadness. It's I know, I like distress. Yeah, but distress, like, but also in a um, mental injury. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's, uh, I think. The emotional charge, distress. Yeah, emotional distress. Yes. And mental injury. Yeah. Yeah, I, so, I get what you mean. But I think this case looks at like how far can you plead emotional distress in a case well also especially especially because she what like how can you even really get like emotional distress if you weren't even like planning on booking a room like so this lady basically oh yeah sorry just to like (laughs) just to kind of summarize like what a tester is which i didn't i didn't know what it mind you she's self-appointed yeah self-appointed interesting but she is part of like some kind of organization This says a self-appointed Americans with Disability Act tester. Yeah, so like she, uh, so she's like she a reports, volunteer. She reports to the organization. Yeah, yeah. So she's like a volunteer, right? But she can, she still gets money out. Like she can really? sue places. Oh well, she yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, basically, like all she, it's her job, and she's disabled herself. Yeah, she's disabled. So it's her her prerogative to see online if hotels like disclose um their like like accessibility like features and um yeah yeah. to see if they're in compliance with the americans with disability right and so if she if she doesn't see it on their website then she sees that as a it's a it's a violation. Yeah, which is so I think like it, I think even have more so. Around. Yeah, but this this case like is one of the ones from this term that I think like really, really like kind of goes into some of the like convoluted issues of like the like like internet like information. Yeah, age. definitely. Because these things like have not been these things have not been encountered before and like i think um actually like kagan made a good point she's like she seemed pissed like she seemed pissed that they were even hearing this case that's Um, what i'm saying okay yeah i like i get it because basically this woman the tester ended up dropping the case and then the um hsn hotels was like oh no actually we want to see this through yeah which is like okay but but also, let's remember, HSN is like a bed and breakfast. Right. They're right. not, they're not like a Hyatt. They're not a Marriott. And, and they've already fixed it on their website. They fixed it and they changed owners. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if, first of all, Kagan's like, well, it's been remedied. Second, like, she dropped the case. So what is, like, she said, this is obviously, like, a pertinent issue to our time. And there is, like, some, like, there is some like prudence and needing to get this figured out, but it's not with this case. Like why would a hundred percent, which I totally agree with. I like agree. This, they're probably going to encounter this issue again, but if it's not a live conflict, and um, a big reason why she did drop it was because she was going around doing this with so many people. Right. right. So she has a history of suing yeah. and winning lawsuits. And then Must it be was, nice. I know, and then her lawyer that was representing her um, got like a bar violation because he was do- taking so many of these cases. Oh, really? Yeah. So he got suspended and that's why she dropped the case. Mm. So the reason the case was dropped was because her lawyer got suspended. And then Ashison was like, oh, hell no. Like, yeah, we want to see this through because it's not fair that you you're doing this we've already fixed it on yeah. the website and and it probably like in some way like tarnished their i don't know reputation yeah these, these things legal so fees easy, are easily so, can yeah. in the woke age yeah a hundred percent um but like you were saying but, and then she said she didn't want a big reason why um Lawford didn't want to take it any further is because she felt because her lawyer got discredited was like it would discredit the whole case and yeah. then she's kind of on kagan's side of like right. this isn't the best case to go all the way up with right yeah but then again i think that there should be something of like yes did they did they violate the american with disabilities act yes because it, they didn't show it on their website is that what the disability act says i haven't really like looked into well it. there's it's a long thing of basically right. you can't um discriminate based off of yeah race gender sex but like does it say anything about it needing to like be on an online website or like i think i i would think like you can just call them up and ask you know like i I think that's that's what they said is she could have just called to ask oh no my story oh no wait one second because i'm pretty Um, uh, you don't have I just deleted like a couple of apps. It's so awkward. I can't. I didn't realize that you can see my computer screen from it, and I've been like anxiously like highlighting a thousand things at once. Uh, we'll have to find a better angle because I was worried about that too. Yeah. Whatever. 
so I think maybe like halfway through i'll just start like pulling up some sketchy images without saying anything about it <laughs> that's funny yeah sorry continue so what the what the Equal Opportunities Act focuses on is that physical or mental disabilities in no way diminish a person's right to fully participate in all aspects of society. Um, talking discrimination against individuals. With, um, the purpose is to provide a clear and comprehensive national mandate for the elimination of discrimination against individuals with disabilities. To provide clear, strong, consistent. I just, I just don't think you can call that discrimination. You can like, though. That's so. That's so. Like some people are just bad at the internet. Some like. No, like, exactly. And the like fact that they fixed it was a huge deal. Right. So I think I hope it's not like they were like willingly like no we don't want any disabled people coming on our website with like no information for the disabled. You yeah. Know? And a big thing is that she never even wanted to fly out there. Yeah. Yeah, I think um yeah, exactly. There was an, this case is very like inconsequential, so I think also like uh uh Amy was bringing up like a lot of she was kind of funny cuz she was like like why would you give us the extra work if like this isn't going if if it isn't like completely like necessary for us to like remedy any like live yeah. conflict, you know? Exactly. And I that's I'm why I, that. I was like, girl, but like it's also your job. <laughs> but But also I get it. when it goes all the way up, I think a big reason why they wanted to take this case though is that um all of the different district courts have disagreed. Right. right yeah so yeah, it's like right. so they just want the big the, the the parents kind of to decide right because there is so much disagreement and that's why they took it what sucks is i don't think this was a case that they should have taken considering that a the hotel fixed their website right away b she never planned on going to the website the c, hotel yeah, yeah. It was the, the hotel c her lawyer has been taken in his like his uh legal license got suspended yeah. because she's been they it's not in good faith i guess yeah for lawyers to take a bunch of cases like well, this yeah, and then shady yeah. yeah and then see that she dropped it it yeah. just doesn't make sense why it made it all the way up here i think what's gonna happen is that they're gonna call it moot and send it back down yeah Maybe, like, they'll put in, like, a side clause that says, like, if it's already been resolved, we're not going to take it. Right. Like, we only take live cases in regards to the ADA. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is It is definitely, like, interesting, though. It's, like, one of many, many internet-coded cases this yeah. term that, um, yeah. And, like, at what point is it, like you were saying, what point is it discrimination if you could just call them? Yeah, totally, totally. It's not like they're, like, refusing information. They might just, like, be, like, like unaware. And it's like a bed and breakfast. This yeah. isn't a Hyatt. This isn't, Exactly, like, exactly. Um, yeah. So do you think the, after all of this, where do you think the court is going to lie on it? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think moot, but otherwise, um, other otherwise, obviously, like if if they were going to decide, I think that it's going to be majority opinion that um, 
God, I don't know. I I feel like they have to decide at some point that like you're going to need to offer accessibility information on your website. So maybe this is the case to do it. But at the same time, if like if it's going to harm the like def- the I don't I don't know, you know, like it mm-hmm. doesn't really like help out the defendant in this case necessarily. Yeah. So it's kind of um So I guess the question that's presented does a self-appointed Americans with Disability Act tester have Article Three standing, which means uh, Article Three standing is that it causes you harm, right? And that yeah. you, you're discriminated against your disability and it causes you emotional harm, right? Yeah. Does a self-appointed Americans with Disability Act tester have Article Three standing to challenge a place of public accommodations failure to provide disability accessibility information on its website, even if she lacks any intention of visiting that place of public accommodation? Yeah. But also, if they decide that, oh, she doesn't, then that gets rid of testers, which is a yeah. really bad thing. Yeah, and at the end of the day, like, even though it's completely, like, honestly pretty dumb that she's just like going out there like testing these websites without she can't she can't claim like like emotional distress from like just testing like she has no intention of going there but at the same time i think that part of it is at the end of the day kind of irrelevant but that's what the question is presented yeah i think that i think that part is kind of irrelevant because i think at the end of the day the question is uh the question is really like is the hotel at fault for not including accessibility information on its website that's what okay all right yeah Yeah, i agree and i think they can change it but i don't think she can claim emotional distress no no but i also don't think that they should get rid of testers because of the rich history of testing especially like i know they used to have like racial testers go out people that wanted to rent homes oh wow um and then go out and test and then that's that's a way that you can so testing has always been part of our history yeah it's um, it a way like to enforce checks and balances but also it's like these self-appointed testers that have no intention right yeah it's a little like uh exploitative oh a hundred percent yeah so who knows can't wait to see what they say yeah definitely definitely interesting yeah CFPB? Yeah. CFPB. All right. Do you want to pause or? No, I think we well, should. Well, not even in the camera. Oh, my God. I think we should go to. Um... And then yeah. if you want, I can take NAACP first or we don't have to. No, let's just round off CF. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. All right. Do you want to change this? Is that good? Yeah. We're still recording. Amazing. Crack open a twisted tea for this one. (laughs) Truly. How does it taste? It's pretty gross. Yeah. I actually, um, yeah, I like never got these, so I don't know what came over me. Do you want to try it? Oh my god, I can't. I look so bad. At least you're from an okay angle. I'm like... I'm not even looking. I just hate the way that it looks. 
That's not great. Wait, Chris is calling. Hello? Hi? Hello? Hi? Butt dial? Butt dial! Okay. And may it please the court. Court is now in session. All right. This freaking case. Um, Huge case. It, big case. Landmark big, um, potential. For, it would have a huge impact if, um, if, they, if the CFPB loses. But basically, so this case is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau versus some like bullshit organization community community financial Financial services Services association Association of america yeah it's it's a pretty i think it's a pretty bullshit organization or association um do you think that jenny thomas is behind it perhaps she does seem to have her little yummy thumbs and a lot of different pots that lobby the government against administrations um but yeah basically this case is a separation of powers case um please thank you um yeah so the consumer financial protection bureau if you don't know what it is like me it still doesn't completely know what it is um it's It was created um, by Congress as a direct response to the 2008 financial crisis when a bunch of banks were just doing shady loans and all that. Um, It was Elizabeth Warren's brainchild. um, And it was also created as a part of the Dodd-Frank Act or something. Um, But... Yeah, it was, it's meant to be a watchdog agency that um, protects consumers from unfair financial practices, uh, lending schemes, fees, and punitive terms. They were actually the ones. Remember that like huge lawsuit against Wells Fargo? Yeah. Yeah, that was them. That was them that investigated and like the CFSB. Yeah, CF, okay. CFPB. 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 Um, but yeah, because, um, and I think the Wells, my card gets like overdrafted all the time. And then like, cause I, I deal with cash mostly these days, but my card will get overdrafted and then Wells Fargo charges me $30. It'll go negative 30. And then if I don't pay back that 30 the next day, it'll be like, oh, negative 30 again. After a week, I'm at like negative 200. Yeah, Chris is the same way. You have to call them. He gets all his overdrafts reversed. What? Yeah, he works with Wells Fargo on the same $30 overdraft fees. Are you kidding me? I could have done that? Yeah. What the fuck? Um, That's, sorry, excuse my language. That's so disappointing. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's fucked up. It's fucked up that they can still do that. Like overdraft fees are not. It's always like it's I, always the it's always the poor people that get fucked feet. over oh. the most. Like it, it it's way more expensive to be a poor person in America than it is to be a rich person. So this is um, obviously the CFPB have done like 
a lot of great things that the banks absolutely hate um mm-hmm. and like that like payday lenders absolutely hate um and republicans also like ideologically hate it because of like so-called government overreach um unchecked power the under the dodd frank act so this was actually a big supreme court case a couple of years ago maybe in like 2020 where basically the it's led by one director um and they obviously trump like hated Mm. the um hated it and so the supreme court case decided that if if he if the the president has the power as the head of the executive branch to um change the director because otherwise you know um conservatives were really getting into like it's kind of a fascist dictatorship administration which i get but also the very purpose the you'll see like with this case and the funding structure of it the very purpose of this um of how like of how it is like run and like the paradigm that um through with it through which it runs protects it from any like partisan destructive actions um because basically while that case was about the director this case is about the funding mechanisms um through which the cfpb um runs and basically it's um it kind of basically so the CFPB is um funded through the um Federal Reserve mm-hmm. um but which is kind of unusual for a funding scheme under the appropriations clause because the appropriations clause states that of course to maintain separation of powers Congress the legislative branch has to um, decide and fund, uh, administ- uh, what is it? Ad- administrations, um, the administrative state through annual appropriations. Yes. But this, um, the CFPB is funded, um, through the federal reserve. However, Congress set a cap for, what the federal how much funding it can get from the federal reserve each year so in a way congress has enacted some appropriations onto its funding Mm -hmm. mechanism and also it's a fairly new organization and like i said um the very like mechanism of its funding is aimed to protect it from uh from like partisan congress of course problems which we have a lot of um yeah so it is pretty non-traditional um those are the funding mechanism is basically a guardrail and this case comes from the federal appeals court which ruled that cfpb's funding is actually in fact unconstitutional so Mm, the main arguer arguers argue presenters of arguments in this case petitioners whatever the attorneys <laughs> yeah the main attorney were the C- 
solicitor general mm-hmm. and um the and then like some guy who um some guy yeah yeah and uh yeah i felt like the petitioner right or the plaintiff right so cfpb yes. their main argument was all about history we need to look at history to well or no no that was actually kind of the cfsa's argument who were looking at it through an originalist like kind of framework saying that there is no historical analog um no precedents to show that this can be done and is constitutional but the basically the solicitor general was saying well there are kind of some like kind of um non-traditional historical analogs like such as the um customs what is it the customs organization um so that was one of the original ones that was one of the original ones however it wasn't really and same with the um what was it the um patent office post office those are self-funding or have been self-funding agencies however it is a little bit different because this is funded through the federal it's not self-funded and actually what's kind of interesting is that the federal reserve um gets some of its funding from fees that its uh bank members pay so in a way i can see how it would kind of piss off some people because it is kind of a circuitous funding Mm. mechanism where like the watchdog organization is in a way being funded through the um through from the banks that from which it is um impeding on Got it. I thought what was interesting... Oh, here it is. The Customs Service and the Revenue Office were funded by the same type of mechanism. They had standing uh, appropriations for the Customs Service. It was uncapped. These were powerful regulatory entities. Yeah. And this is capped. Yeah. So then he goes... So the market constraint theory, blah, blah, blah. And it's still the case today with many of the financial regulators, the ones that I would put on this list is the Federal Reserve Board, the FDIC, the NCUA, the Farm Credit Administration, and the FHFA. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. But this is, it's interesting because, like, like, so the solicitor general was holding her own and was giving all of these examples and was saying well even if you think by the original framers um point of view the it's unconstitutional however the customs office was like made right mm-hmm. like when the constitution was yeah and it was like a very important part of the administrative yeah. state so it's um she's saying like you can't just look at the constitution what you think like the appropriations clause power of purse mm-hmm. by the way i love that it's called the power of purse That's isn't that amazing. so cute yeah. yeah so yeah she said like you can't katanji brown asked like some interesting questions she's she I, w- I was talking to you about this like a little bit before we started yeah. about how like it almost seemed like they were kind of in cahoots because mm. they were bouncing so well off of each other yeah and like where Kajanji Brown Jackson would ask her questions that obviously she had opinions to but wanted the um solicitor general to be able to get across yeah. like she was like well would this historical precedence even matter um, and like, is it even very relevant when we can make the appropriations clause, um, when it, 
this is constitutional by the very language of mm-hmm. the appropriations yeah. clause, um, which was kind of the like meat of both of the arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of agree, like you can't, you don't, you don't have to just look to historical analogs. You have to look at the situation at hand yeah. and see if it matches what the constitution says. Yeah. I see that the CFPB's um, guy said, this court should reject respondents. So the the CFPB was the first guy. The CFPB was the solicitor general. No, so it goes. It went the first guy, General Prologar, and then so the first guy goes, and then th- then the people responds, and then the solicitor generals at the end. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, because General Prologar is on behalf of the uh, petitioners. Whoops. And then Noah Francisco is on behalf of the respondents. Oh, and then, oh, the rebuttal. Oh, I'm so sorry. So that is our, our solicitor general. Oh, okay. Okay. Whoops. My mistake. You're right. Then I, we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Because I didn't register that but i'm talking about what the solicitor general said yeah 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 which was um they should reject so sorry no it's fine um where was that quote that i had that i thought was really interesting basically like they can't gerrymander um sorry that definitely put a Okay, the court should respect reject the respondent's attempt to gerrymander rule to fit the CFPB alone without providing a coherent theory about how to interpret and apply the appropriations clause. Right. Yeah, because they're they're basically they're basically worried that if the if Congress can apply the appropriations clause in this way, then what's to stop it from just letting you know like the administrative agencies like go completely rogue and um you know setting he was basically saying like you're setting an impossible cap like it's so hard to reach that and um you have to even if even if it was to be funded by an outside um uh um, mechanism like it you have to set an amount which is kind of ridiculous because it's a very new agency um you can't really know like how much funding it's going to need until you start testing things out and actually the cfpb has like been it's always under the it's always like very far under the cap so it's not like it's just like running wild with yeah. its funding um yeah i think this is a really important case definitely like we've been talking about that separation of power yeah it is it it, especially because it's such an issue right now that um uh republic i mean like thing of the so-called deep state um people republicans and conservatives in general are quite like quite concerned with the amount of power that the executive branch has um yeah yeah well so i guess 
where did everyone fall on this um oh and also let me just mention thomas had like a pretty didn't really speak very much and then like i could feel that he was getting quite frustrated with that the um cfsa person that was speaking for them like wasn't really getting their point across very well he's like all right you finish the sentence the cfpb is unconstitutional because go Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're like um okay like he that's that was his question so the cfsa did not have a good argument i thought that they i didn't think so um and i i was actually pretty impressed again with amy because she was pushing back on them quite hard as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I um, I mean, they had, like, a good argue. It depends on how you're looking at it. I'm looking at it from, I obviously think that um, the Solicitor General was way more eloquent and way more coherent in her yeah. argument. Um, but, yeah, I really have no idea how they're going to land. I think, that, I think that it's going to – the it's going to be in favor of the CFPB. I really think so, yeah. If we had, um, if the court was more liberal-leaning rather than conservative-leaning, would you feel like the CFSA would win? No, 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 no. I think that this is going to be kind of a liberal-minded majority opinion, Ah, actually. Ah, that's interesting. It is interesting, Yeah. 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 But also, like, this case would have, like, it would have major, major ramifications if um, the funding was taken away from the CFPB. Like, it would it would cause havoc. Oh, so. 100%. And especially, like, we have so much havoc already. Yeah, exactly. Um, but who's, who's supporting CFSA? Like, if it were to be a five to four case. Oh, um, let's see. Kavanaugh, I would say. Um oh. Alito. Always. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I don't really Thomas? Where do you where does he lie? Thomas probably, yeah. Thomas. So it would be Alito, Thomas. Yeah. And then where do you think Amy would go? I don't know. So I really, Amy's I, like, I, I've been she, having like an interesting time with her because I really feel like she's uh she just follows though. She does, but I, I like I like her like questions and yeah. I, I like hearing her talk. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, so you think, uh, Jackson, Kentonji Brown Jackson would be with CF PB Kagan, CFPB, And then, um, Sotomayor CFPB. So no matter what, all the liberals will be up there and then Roberts might be up there. Yeah. And then Gorsuch, did he even talk? Um, I can't remember, okay. to be honest. I I think he did. I think, um, yeah, I think he did. He usually talks, yeah. like, quite a bit. But, yeah. Um, I feel like Roberts will definitely go with CFPB. The only reason yeah. I say that is he doesn't like changing too much stuff. Yeah. And it doesn't seem that is really necessary right now to change this is a huge thing if they really decide to change it is and um yeah so i think i think it would be best if it just we stick with the status quo yeah yeah i think um 
Yeah. I, I think um, when we were talking about this case, like over text, you texted me that like we should talk about the Chevron. Yeah, the Chevron but doctrine. Is that I actually? I don't think it, that it really applies that okay. much. It does apply to like the like administrative state as a whole, but um, yeah, it was um, it was it was like in, it was interesting to look into that, but yeah, I don't think it applies because that's yeah. about like um statutory interpretation. Got it. Um, but yeah, how do you feel? I know that they mentioned in this that um the executive so when congress and the executive branch are on different sides of the table right so if you have like a republican congress and then a democratic executive branch like a president will that change anything um no i i mean like obviously the cfpb is considered like by many to be like a very liberal agency but i don't i think i think the way that it's structured is meant to keep it from being able to it's it's a watchdog agency it's not meant it's just meant to protect like customers from Mm -hmm. like that that's all you know it's meant to protect customers from like harmful lending schemes and like banks and stuff so Mm -hmm. yeah so if if we get rid of CFPB, what would that? Let's just say it gets overturned, right? I don't really know, to be honest. I I know that it would be like bad. So we wouldn't have watchdogs anymore. Yeah. And would that get rid of other watchdog agencies? Yeah, and um, no, I don't think so because the way this case is about its funding, which is entirely unique to um the cfpb i don't think it would get rid of other watchdog agencies but um i do think that it would um i i i do think that like whatever whatever cases or like um investigations it has going on right now would be dropped which would probably have um just really bad consequences for a lot of americans yeah so and if yeah yeah and and this is the only one that's funded this way yep and sorry once again why why is it such a big deal that is funded this way it's such a big deal that it's funded with this way because the constitution appropriations clause gives congress the power of purse in order to um, keep separation between the executive and legislative branches of government between the separate branches of government and um, basically they think that it being funded through um, a federal agency takes too much power away from congress and like breaks you know the separations of powers um, um, and therefore ostensibly gives like congress the ability to let um let these like agencies and administrative states run wild without much government oversight which actually is kind of the the way that it was built just in case you know there was suddenly like as there was with um donald trump's presidency a um republican majority that were essentially just trying to get rid of it in any way possible and if that was the if it was funded you know through um if it was funded annually 
through Congress, then they probably would have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Super interesting. It is, yeah. I can't wait to see what happens of it. Yeah. No. Oh. Any last thoughts? No. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely was interesting. It, I, it's just interesting that there's still like, I don't, I don't know. It's interesting that there's still like agencies that are this important that are like still being created. And that obviously there was like a major need for one after the 2008 financial crisis. But yeah, it's, um, this, the, this like bureau is like super important and, Mm -hmm. um, and I can see why it's so hated by Republicans and like banks and payday lenders. But, um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. It's just cool to see that, like, um, that, I don't know. So, so like early in these agencies, like inception, I don't know. They can yeah. have like these major effects and it's probably actually maybe what like stopped the, um, you know, like when all those banks uh, went bankrupt like earlier this year, I think. Like yeah. it was like the Silicon Valley and then like f- there was another one in mm-hmm. California. It's probably what stopped that from leading to like a major financial crisis. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Did you see that, what is it, Citibank had like 700 layoffs today? Really? Yeah. So I guess like what's interesting is we are in a financial crisis adjacent time right now in the United States, right? Every single six weeks, our Congress is trying to be like, are we going to shut down? Are we not going to shut down? Yeah. Um, So I think it's crazy that this is all, this case is happening in this time. It's not like we're financially like really like, yeah, it's like, who, like, what, what are you even arguing you want to give Congress this power right now? Like, thank God it doesn't have this power. It can't even handle the power it does have. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then if this does pass, right, if C- if this is all, like, CFPB wins, do you think that it allows other um, protection bureaus and agencies in the future to have this sort of funding? And would that be helpful? Wait, sorry, repeat the question. If CFPB, it, the decision lands in their favor, if there are other protection bureaus and other agencies that happen or created after, would it, would, because we... Yeah, like, would they start being funded this way as well? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't really think so. I think that this is pretty unique to... Um, but if it's constitutional, then... And yeah, with that, but what would the effect be? I don't, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's an interesting question, but yeah, I don't really know. I guess um, it it completely like depends on the agency or like bureau. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I don't, I I think that every every like agency is unique in like how it's affected by its funding mechanism Mm -hmm. like the fact that like the post office and like other um agencies were like self-funded through the fees that it Mm -hmm. like completely makes sense to me um but yeah i don't know i really think it just depends and then 
I guess. Um, is the fact that it's not funded by Congress is what has allowed it to be so successful because it doesn't have to deal with the bureaucracy of Congress? It's That's also a good question. Uh, I mean, like I said, I think like during Donald Trump's presidency, it obviously would have had it if it was funded um, through annual appropriations by Congress, then yeah, it would have like had probably very mm-hmm. little funding. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I, I don't know, I think it's a pretty good setup that it yeah. has. I think it makes sense that it's not directly funded by Congress because obviously um, there's an ideological battle going on mm-hmm. within members of Congress on whether or not it should even exist. Well, um, what I keep thinking about is like a regulatory board such as the EPA. Yeah. So the EPA is funded by Congress, and I feel like there's so there's EPA can never really even right now there's three cases against the EPA on the shadow docket Mm. so it's like it always feels like the EPA is constantly trying to like get anything done and just reaches pushback and also you can look at when Trump was president versus like you can cut funding or when Congress is majority Republican or conservative Republican but um, it would be interesting if they say this is not, this is constitutional for it to be funded some other way. And what if we take off some of Congress and give Congress less power? I don't know. Congress controls the purse. I get that, but they suck at it. I think that's where I'm at is like, it's almost like nothing can get done. Like we're already like each week, the government, should, we, the whole um, uh, fucking, what's the, the speaker of the house Mm -hmm. this whole thing going on with the speaker of the house congress can't even get ahead Mm -hmm. so i think we really need to look at that yeah i i think you i I, I guess i i I don't know i don't think i would want to take away like the i i do think there should be like a separation and i think that the fact um yeah there should be a separation that, that, like, Congress did set a cap um, for the CFPB does, like, validate that separation um, is still in place. However, I do think that for, like, the majority of um, uh, funding necessities, it Congress should have complete control. Okay. Yeah. I agree. I just feel like we're reaching a point where we're so far right and so far left that things like the EPA or thing seems like things don't really get done. Yeah. Things don't get done. Yeah. yeah. And then especially with things switching all the time. I don't know. Yeah. But let's hope that this stays and sticks um, for just the general watchdog. Um, but what if it said, like, listen, it's not constitutional, so now but it's important, so we, now we want Congress to fund it. Yeah. Is Would that be... Is that an option? Um, to be honest, I don't really know. I I think that would take a, a lot. I think, I think that that would take some, like, other measures, yeah. you know? I think that that wouldn't be a result, a direct result mm-hmm. from this case. I think that... I don't, I don't really know what would happen... 
to so be honest. I guess what were the resolutions presented for both sides in this case? Like, if it goes this way, what is Congress look? What are we looking at? If it goes that way, what are we looking at? Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, they're basically like this. CFPB was saying like we haven't decided that we haven't seen like what kind of funding, um, like this bureau needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so like over the next few years as the CFPB um, keeps you know reaching like the same points of uh, of expenses then and budgets then like that will be more um, regulated but um, I don't really know like I don't I don't really know what the other side was arguing other than like this is unconstitutional they don't want it to exist so Got that's it. like kind of the, I think that's kind of end game. Yeah. For, yeah. Got that. Damn. Well, that's interesting. Big, big. Yeah. Big, big case. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, should we stop recording to take a break? Take a little break? Yeah. Cool. That was actually the end of episode two. Thank you.